It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your co-host, James Rapine. Today, we're going to do our awards episode. That's coming your way in part three of the show, from running back of the year to free agent signing of the year. We're going to go a little bit off book. We're not going to just do MVP, defensive player of the year, the tried and true. We're going to get creative with it a little bit, so hope you stick around for that at the end of the show. We're going to start today's show, however, talking about Hank Fraley, the Detroit Lions offensive line coach from 2020, who's scheduled to interview with the Bengals for their vacancy at that position on Friday. In addition to that, Joe Burrow showed up. He made his first post-surgery comments to Colin Coward, of all people, on FS1, and it was really a fantastic interview. I know James has it up over on his website, allbengals.com. You can check it out there. Really good stuff. We'll talk about what Joe Burrow had to say to Colin Coward as well today. But James, I spent way too much time looking into Hank Fraley, who obviously was in Detroit last year, his first year as an offensive line coach. And my my initial reaction was, is there any concern that they're going with an inexperienced guy? He has been an assistant offensive line coach in the league. He had six years of experience doing that, maybe a little bit more. He was in Minnesota for four years. He was in Detroit for two years as an assistant offensive line coach before they promoted him when his former guru, the guy that he spent a lot of time with, Jeff Davidson, decided to step away from coaching. So he had five years under Davidson between Minnesota and Detroit. He had one year in Minnesota under Tony Sperano when he was an offensive line coach there as well. And he would bring a very different style. Does the inexperience bother you at all with this potential hire? He's only got one year of offensive line coaching experience. I don't think so because he's a former player. I think that matters. And you you mentioned his experience as an assistant. And when you combine those two things, look, has he been the lead man in that room for that long? No, but he's seen how it works. He understands how it operates. And the thing that the Bengals need the most, obviously you need the knowledge and everything like that and whoever you're hiring to be your offensive line coach. But you need someone who's relatable. And I, I would assume, and I think it's a pretty safe assumption, I talked to a couple people, that Hank Fraley is going to be much more relatable than Jim Turner, right? The the drill sergeant style that Jim Turner had, it doesn't mean that you don't have to, to work and bust the guy's ass here and, not, here and there. But Fraley's a guy, I remember watching lineup for the Eagles, and he played for the Eagles when they went to the Super Bowl with Donovan McNabb and Terrell Owens and lost to the Patriots. I remember seeing him on Fox all the time because that's when the NFC games are like he's he's been around the league. He played for over a decade. And so, yeah, I think um, I think at least resume wise, we don't know. We're not in the room. I think it makes sense, even though he has only one year of offensive line coaching experience from a, you know, being the main guy and not just an assistant. 
Fairly played multiple positions on the offensive line. Speaking of his time as a player, he was still playing when PFF grades became a thing. You can go back on PFF and see how he graded. I've got it pulled up right now, in fact, at least for the years they've got. And from 2006 to 2009, he was in Cleveland, James. And in those years, in almost all of those years, he was a very good pass blocker and a pretty good run blocker. So there's his history as a player. He had some positional versatility playing both guard, center, and a little bit later in his career, he was even out there as an extra lineman lining up at tight end. So a lot of experience, of course, as a player. He's dealt with offensive line coaches as a player and as an assistant offensive line coach. I went and looked into a little bit of the schemes that he comes from, and it would be, I think, a little bit of a departure from what we've seen from Zach Taylor so far. The biggest thing is, from both the Norv Turner influence and the Daryl Bevel influence in Detroit and Minnesota, respectively, or irrespectively, I got those backwards. He has a lot of experience with teams that go heavy. He has a lot of experience with teams and offenses that use a fullback. We haven't seen a whole lot of fullback use in Cincinnati. They had Seathan Carter and Drew Sample combine for, I think, 37 fullback snaps, according to PFF in 2020. Detroit, by comparison, had a true fullback on the roster, with 180 snaps at fullback. So Hank Fraley would bring a little bit of a different style in terms of run game design if he wanted to bring the eye formation stuff, the offset eye formation stuff with him. The other thing that's really interesting is that most recently in Detroit when he was the head guy on the offensive line, I got some information from PFF as well on this. The Detroit Lions ran almost exactly the same amount of zone runs versus man runs meaning power man versus the zone style that you know the outside zone that the that the rams run that that green bay is running right now that a lot of effective offenses in the nfl are using and the other interesting thing they ran a lot more inside zone than outside zone so did the bengals but the bengals ran way more zone than man last year with jim turner in 2020 so some potential schematic differences in the running game specifically that could come along with Fraley. And I'm hoping for that. The Bengals running game, and I get it, Mixon was injured, but it hasn't been great by any stretch and even good for for the majority of Zach Taylor's tenure here. Look, we get it. He can spread it out and and move the ball and and hope to push the ball down the field. But especially early in the year, I think the Bengals are going to have to run the ball. There are going to be times in the AFC North period where you have to run the ball because of weather, because of the the pass rush on the other side or whatever the case may be. And so, yeah, a schematic adjustment, a change, I would be open to that, especially if it is going to put Joe Mixon in, in a position to, to maximize him. Because whether you agree with the extension or not, they signed it, the deal is done. Now you got to try to get the most out of him as he enters his prime. Absolutely the case. And the other interesting thing is, what kind of offenses has he been in before from a passing perspective? Norv Turner, Aircore Yell, a little bit old school, a little bit of West Coast influence from Daryl Bevel. So it'd be interesting to see how that fits with what Zach Taylor wants to do on offense right now. I mean, the difference of all the empty stuff they did versus the the you know extra tight ends, extra fullbacks kind of thing that you would see from the Norv Turner, uh, you know, Joe Flacco, Ray Rice offense back in the day to Daryl Bevel in in Detroit this year 
So it's, it's a little bit different, right? And so it'd be interesting to see how those things would jive with Zach Taylor and that sort of offense. So that is my way too much information, James, about Hank Fraley, whose name <laughs> I've pronounced correctly now all three times during recording, patting myself on the back for that one. And I think that it's uh, almost certainly an improvement. Fraley's offensive line played pretty well in Detroit, and he had a revolving door at three positions. So I feel pretty good about the idea if he's interested in the job. And that's the key to me, Jake. And it was a perfect segue there because can Zach Taylor convince a guy in Hank Fraley who you mentioned it, he was hired as the offensive line coach last year. Well, when you do that and you're promoted, you sign a new contract. So guess what I'm thinking? This guy probably didn't sign a one-year deal. So he's probably under contract in Detroit. They're going to sign a head coach at some point, regardless of who it is. Is it more appealing for Fraley to stay in Detroit where he is, go to Cincinnati. That, that That's a tough one, especially if that coach coming in wants him. And, and so th- that's the that's going to be the challenge here. How appealing is Cincinnati? How appealing is 625 and 1? And, and maybe it's very because you're going to have a, a, a high-end quarterback who's hopefully entering his prime at 24 years old. You're going to have a, an offensive mind in Zach Taylor, whom, you know, maybe he can show – Fraley that why he should come to Cincinnati but I think there's the why for a lot of these assistants that interview with the Bengals that's going to matter and they're going to have hard questions for Zach Taylor and company and and how that plays out is going to be interesting to see and, and it could be the other way whoever Detroit hires might not want to retain Fraley and he might just say all right give me the first job I can get right at the same time I think it's going to be much much easier said than done to court some of these guys, especially a guy like Fraley, who does appear to be on the rise as far as a coach goes. He does seem to be that way. I mean, if if Detroit hires Rob Salah and he comes in and says, hey, Hank, you did a good job with the offensive line last year. Let's keep you on. I mean, he, yep. that's probably pretty tempting, right? And I don't know what his contract situation is. He's interviewing with the Bengals for a lateral move. So that in the first place is interesting. But I, I think it would be a good hire. I... I Honestly, would like to see it happen at this point from the limited bits that I know about him. It'd be a, a new direction. It's a young guy. It's a guy that, like you said, James, seems to be on the rise. So Hank Fraley interviewing in Cincinnati Friday, and hopefully we'll hear something about it shortly thereafter. Coming up next, Joe Burrow on with Colin Coward. He had some interesting things to say about Zach Taylor, about his rehab, about his experience as a rookie. We get into those comments coming up next. Winter is officially here. It's freezing. The last thing you want to do is get stuck on the side of the road. And heck, maybe you live in Florida. You're listening to this in the warm climate. Either way, none of us like to get stuck. You got to keep up with your car maintenance. And the best way to do that, it's rockauto.com. We talk about rockauto.com here on Locked on Bengals because it's something we use. It's a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for over two decades. Go there now. See all of their parts for over 300 different car manufacturers, BMW, Daewoo, Kia, Honda, Toyota, doesn't matter what you drive, Rock Auto is going to have what you're looking for. And best of all, the prices are always reliably low and the same for professionals as it is for do-it-yourselfers. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Bengals fans across the country got really, 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 Jake, really, really good news on Thursday when I think this was Joe Bro's first public comments since he went down against Washington in week 11. And he went on the herd with Colin Cowherd on Fox Sports 1. And this is exactly what Bengals fans were hoping to hear. I'll read this quote direct. He said, things are on track to start the season the way I need to. Practice a little bit in fall camp and be ready to go. Cowherd doubled down and kind of pressed him. Will you be ready for week one of 2021? He said, quote, I think I'll be ready. I think I'll be just fine with this patented Joe Burrow smirk. When you saw this, Jake, when you heard this, what was your reaction? I love that smirk, man. That smirk, <laughs> it just it fills me with confidence. When he when he has that yeah. smirk on his face, I just believe him, man. I just believe the dude. Like I believe everything that comes out of his mouth. And that that also includes the Zach Taylor quote to some extent. I, I think that's a really interesting one we'll talk about a little bit too. But he's talking about fall camp, man. He's talking about being back for for training camp right now. And and mm. he said that life has just kind of gotten back to normal for him. He said he's through the worst part of the rehab. He can he can put his on put his own clothes on now, James. That's that's progress, right? I mean, imagine you you do your ACL surgery, you're a professional athlete, suddenly, you know, you're you're used to throwing football's pinpoint accuracy downfield. Now you can't put on your own pants cuz your knees the size of a cantaloupe or something. I don't know. I mean, Good for Joe Burrow getting through the, the bad part of the rehab there for sure. And I, I love the optimism. He also talked about Zach Taylor, James. He expressed some very high support for Taylor, saying he thought he would be a great coach for, for some time. He said they connected right away, and you wouldn't expect him to say anything else. And there are obvious differences between Taylor and Freddie Kitchens and between Burrow and Baker Mayfield, but you just have to hope this isn't another deal of, you know, we're keeping the coach because he has a good connection with our young rookie franchise quarterback. And you just have to hope it doesn't go the way that it did in Cleveland. It doesn't have to. It really doesn't have to. I think these guys are different people. I don't think there's that same sort of arrogant feel that a lot of people had from Kitchens and, and Mayfield in Cleveland. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work. Well, Taylor's more buttoned up than Kitchens. I'll say that firsthand. I got the experience of covering him, and he's rough. It was rough. It was rough for Freddie. As people think I'm hard on Taylor, I was much harder on Freddie when I was in Cleveland. Um, so, yeah, I, I one, I would say that. Two, I think Joe Burrow is better than Baker Mayfield, even coming off of injury, and he's more mature, like you said. But the, the thing in this interview that I think is going to go a little under the radar is that Burrow clearly understood that it's win now or you're going to get kicked out of town. And obviously he's not getting kicked out of town. And and, and he said that, like, th- that's what's going to happen. They're going to force you out of town. And he, he was just saying it in generalities. But obviously that's that's where Zach Taylor enters 2021. And w- when Joe Burrow goes through this rehab, assuming he believes 
in Zach Taylor as much as he says, and I really don't think he's blowing smoke. Whether he's right or wrong, who the hell knows? We have our opinions. He has his. But when he's going through this rehab, he knows the best way for Zach to stay around is for number nine to be on the field week one. So it's just even more. It's just another layer. Hey, my coach is 6-25-1. We didn't go on the run that we thought we were going to go in the second half of the season because I got injured. I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to be ready to go. They're going to make the right moves this offseason, and we're going to hit the ground running week one. I do think there's some motivation there, and that's good. Yeah, I mean, he talked about they saw the schedule, they saw winnable games on the stretch, and he didn't get to play. And you could tell that that was killing him. I mean, you all saw it when he tweeted, it's a lot less fun to watch than it is to play. You know, he rarely is on social media in the first place when when the Bengals beat the Steelers. Two-word tweet, yes, sir, gets more attention than (laughs) 99% of users will ever get on Twitter. Two-word tweet, yes, sir. That's all he's got to do. Burrow also went into the X's and O's of the interception he threw at the end of the game against Indianapolis. He was talking about the transition from being a a college quarterback to an NFL quarterback, talking about how defenses every week came up with new stuff on third downs for him, specifically third downs. I thought it was interesting he talked about, but you know, he said it's not like it used to be for these guys coming into the league because Coward asked him about what, what advice do you have for Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields right now coming into the NFL and he said, it's not, it's not really the same. It's, it's really quarterback friendly right now. For one, coaches know how to play to their quarterback strengths. But he talked about how there's so much more to prepare for. And you have to be able to kind of adjust on the fly. You see things that you never saw on tape. He admitted that it happened to him. He said that that happened to him on the play that ended the game against the Colts. He said on, on film review, he saw, oh, I could have changed out of that play. They didn't have enough guys on that other side of the field. And, you know, you can tell that he's learning. And that's that's exciting for me, too, because, you know, me, James, whenever he talks X's and O's, whenever I hear football players, that's why I love Deshaun Watson. Whenever I hear them break down what they saw on a play or what was happening schematically, that that's what gets me excited. And and the fact that, you know, just another piece of evidence, right? He learns. He sees something once he's going to learn it and he's going to be ready for it the next time which is why I was so excited to see him play against Pittsburgh and Baltimore again. I really look forward to that next year. And it's further evidence that he's in football mode still, which I think is is really big. You talk to doctors about athletes when they're going through rehab and what they try to do. Alex Smith, if you watch the E60 on his recovery, I know it was completely different, but they had him throwing right away. Like as soon as that he could throw, they had him throwing even though he was sitting down. And so – what, what I, that tells me is Burroughs in, in the football mode, studying his film, critiquing himself, really trying to figure out ways and areas to improve. And and that's something that we took notice of from day one in training camp, right? His ability to learn and and rebound and, and, and grow and, and the handle on the playbook. But he's clearly trying to take it to that next level. And, and you love to see that. And I thought that that was a really good detailed breakdown of the interception against the Colts. And again, he probably remembers every single play, but I'm sure he's watched that about a, a thousand times to try to figure it out and not only figure it out, but make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah, the recall bit that you mentioned there, you you see that with really good quarterbacks across the league. You see it with Rodgers. You saw it with Peyton Manning. You see it with Tom Brady. You see it with Deshaun. Ma- I mean, the recall of elite quarterbacks tends to be elite because once they see something, you're going to try to disguise, you're going to try to trick him again, but eventually they've seen everything and it gets much, much harder to fool them. And Joe Burrow has that ability. You see that. I mean, coach's son, right? 
Grinder, ultimate grinder, ultimate, always football on the mind, always football first. That's why we love Joe Burrow. This was a great reminder of all the things that we do love about Joe Burrow. And it just feels really good for me personally, James, to be talking about him again because we haven't heard from him for so long. We now have something fresh and exciting to talk about. And it was just a Colin Coward interview. <laughs> I, I have heard a little rabbit told me that Burrow is going to talk to local reporters soon. And he's scheduled to be back in Cincinnati in the coming weeks. Exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. Joe Burrow, man, lifeblood of this franchise, lifeblood of this podcast, quite frankly. Will he win any of our season-ending awards? Hell no. Well, you're going to find out coming up next on the Locked on Bengals podcast. BetOnline.ag is sponsoring this episode of the Locked on Bengals podcast, and they are the only place we use, the only place we trust for all of our betting odds and all of our betting needs. And if you're like me, you've been watching the Cleveland Browns-Pittsburgh Steelers betting line very closely. The Cleveland Browns haven't practiced all week. That line opened at minus three and a half in Pittsburgh's favor, and it's only moved to a six-point favorite for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Cleveland Browns haven't practiced all week. They don't have access to their head coach. They're missing other coaches, other players. That line is very, very interesting to say the least. And you can check it out right now on betonline.ag. They'll give you a 50% welcome bonus matching your first deposit if you use promo code locked on. Again, that's promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, James, let's make up some awards. We're mostly winging this segment of the show for everybody listening. We're going to have some fun with it. James, the first award I want to give out is the the first one that came to mind for me, and that is running back of the year. James, everyone thought, Joe Mixon, fresh off this huge contract, was going to have a fantastic year for the Bengals. He dealt with injuries, which opens this award up to conversation. So for you, James Rapine, who is your running back of the year for the Cincinnati Bengals? It's Giovanni Bernard. It's probably not close, even though you're probably not even going to say it's Gio. I'm, I'm just guessing it's Gio because of what he does in pass protection He was clearly their best running back just overall. They used him on special teams some as well. So I think he's the most valuable running back on this team. And that includes Joe Mixon. The way he played in the first six games, it was still Gio. So I'll I'll say Giovanni Bernard. I think Giovanni Bernard is a great answer. It's not my answer. (laughs) I called it. You you were definitely right about that. Gio was very good as a pass protector, as he always is. He's very smart in pass protection. He generally makes the right decisions there. He just wasn't as effective as Samaji Pirine as a runner. Pirine's ability to make guys miss, his ability to get yards after contact, to get skinny through holes, to find yardage that was very hard to find and to be decisive, 
was very impressive to me this season. Also, shout out to Travion Williams. We're just going to talk about all the running backs here. He's not in consideration for this award because it's just such a small sample size for him. But he really showed pretty well in his limited carries down the stretch this year. He was also able to make guys miss. I thought he showed pretty good speed. Not good long speed, but I guess short area speed. He was beating the second level. He wasn't fast enough to outrun you know, the defensive backs and stuff, but I thought that he was getting to the edge pretty well and breaking away from the second level pretty well on a few occasions. So just a shout out to Travion Williams. And for me, Samaje Piran was very impressive as a runner this year. And so for me, he wins running back of the year for 2020 for the Bengals. James, your turn to put me on the spot. What's the next award we're giving out on the Locked On Bengals podcast? Since you want to give out awards to Samaj P. Ryan, I figured we should go with one of the unsung heroes. Best defensive tackle, defensive tackle of the year, Jake. Who do you got in a banged up position group that was just crushed? I know this won't be any of the big names. This isn't going to be DJ Reader. This isn't going to be, you know, a guy like Geno Atkins, right, who'd won it many, many years. Who's your defensive tackle of the 2020 season? There's still a chance that the correct answer for this is DJ Reader. Uh, there, that, that might still be right, and it could be recency bias that's getting us here. I mean, Reader only played in five games. In those five games, he made a very big difference in run defense when he was on the field. And he had one game where he showed up as a pass rusher a little bit too. So the correct answer to this question might still be DJ Reader, but... Since recency bias is a thing, the candidates seem to be Margus Hunt and Mike Daniels, I think. Those are those are the guys in the front running for this award. And yep. again, I'm I'm just gonna keep saying recency bias. That's making me lean Margus Hunt. I mean, the the guy had some positive plays for the Bengals. He made some good run stops. He was very good in disrupting passing lanes by being extremely tall and a giant. So I guess by default and recency, it's Marcus Hunt. The big man from Estonia taking home the award. Jake, I can't believe it. I, I don't really know who the hell it is, man. I, I, I think I'm going to default to Christian Covington. I think this is a guy that was just in there and, you know, played – reasonably well was serviceable all year marcus hunt joined mid-year dj reader got injured week five geno atkins obviously wasn't himself i mean who else is there even mike daniels when was on injured reserve and I, I like mike so how about we go with consistent christian covington i believe he played in all 16 games and in that on that line at that position specifically that that makes you special in 2020 with all the injuries the Bengals had so i'm gonna go with christian covington he did indeed play in all 16 games. He didn't play particularly well in most of those 16 games. Oh, come on, Jake. He was fine. Yeah, and, and that makes it worth something. But, I mean, you mustn't be afraid to dream a little bigger. That That's a quote, right, from uh, Inception? Dream bigger from Christian Covington to Margus Hunt? I'm just saying, DJ Reader's coming back next year. That might be the right guy. Let's go to our next award, James. Let's go. I guess Hunt is bigger than Covington. Go ahead. Let's go best free agent signing. And for me, James, I'm not considering just the 2020 performance. I'm considering, based on additional information gathered from 2020, 
who the best free agent signing is just in retrospect from overall value that you expect from a guy, both including 2020 and going forward for some of the guys that are still under contract? This one's pretty easy to me. Uh, Von Bell. Von Bell got off to a little bit of a slow start, but made some big plays, had the signature moment of the season, I would say, or certainly one of them. I guess the signature moment of the second half outside of Joe, you know, Joe Burrow going down. And I, I think that he, look, as, as bad as he was at the beginning of the year and he was taking some criticism specifically in coverage and rightfully so, I think he helped Jesse Bates I, from a, a mentality standpoint, attitude standpoint, work ethic standpoint. They started to train together. All of that, you're talking about a, a guy who compliments Bates really well. You're talking about a three-year, $18 million deal. I think it's good value. I think he's good. I think he's he's really added something to that defense. It doesn't mean that they don't need a bunch of more pieces, but if a lot of those pieces they add are like Von Bell, then they'd be in good shape. So I, I like him a lot. I think he's the guy. Yeah, that was a that was a contract that for the first half of the season looked really bad. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know if they figured out how to use him. I don't know if they understand his skill set. I don't know if he understands the defense. And then he turned it around in the second half. And and like you said, he had the defensive signature play of the year, I think, unless Jesse Bates has one to rival him. It was it was an exclamation point. It was symbolic. It was metaphorical. It was, it transcended the game a little bit for a lot of Bengals fans. And I mean, it was instantly famous. So I think that a lot of credit goes there to Von Bell. And if the answer wasn't Von Bell, and I'm not sure, I, I think it probably is. I think you're probably right. The other one for me is, is still DJ Reader. Just to go back to Reader again, he was, I think, transformative in terms of run defense a little bit. Eric Eager recently from PFF put out some work that showed how important nose tackles that can dominate in the run game can be to improving your pass defense because it allows you to put fewer people in the box. And so DJ Reader's return next year, you know, you hope he's 100% coming off of a pretty severe injury. You hope he gets back to that dominant form and he could have a bigger impact for them long term. While Von Bell is a very close runner up, perhaps to me in terms of just overall track record and what I think he can bring to the team. I think another very good signing, though, in Von Bell. All right, James, your turn. Put me on the spot. Biggest gaffe of the year. It could be a coaching gaffe, could be a player mistake. Biggest gaffe of the year. It doesn't even need to be one particular play call either. It could be a scheme thing or whatever you want, but biggest gaffe of the year. Um, I'm torn between the inverted cover two and you know playing off of guys on fourth and short and just picking a play because there's a play that stands out to me, James. The Bengals have their very own butt fumble now and uh, hard not to pick a butt fumble. Oh, man. Andy Dalton was loving that butt fumble too. That was the Dallas game. That was rough. Travion Williams. It was because Akeem Adenogy stopped, by the way. I blame Adenogy for that. I know you shouldn't fumble, but he stopped right in the middle of the hole. And whoever's fault it was. I mean, it's a collective effort. Anytime there's a butt fumble, there's a butt and there's a fumbler. And so that that's my pick. What, what, what are you going with? So you want the fun route. I'm going to go with uh, the, the, the I still can't believe how short his leash was. And, and maybe this will fall into one of your others. But I'm shocked mm. that John Ross got yanked week two and that was it. Like, yeah. I think that was a big gaffe. They struggled to stretch the field. I get it. But, you know, he struggled in the first two games. But is that it, really? Like, that's how that's how it ends? It was just really weird. And he was never in the rotation after that, was never 
active after that. I'm trying to think. I think he was active for one week after that, but that was it. And it's so I, I think that was a gap. Like, I think looking back, you could have gotten him involved and he could have helped and, and made life easier on the rest of the offense, even when Joe Burrow went down. Definitely agree. It was it was very strange how they just gave up on John Ross right away. All offseason talking about we have a plan for John. We're excited for John. And then nothing. I mean, he just got so deep in that doghouse. There was no way out. And and we knew it. It was it was pretty apparent right away. You know, after what was it, week two, week three? Week two against the Browns, he sort of got benched for T. Higgins. And then week three, he was inactive, and that was it. And Auden Tate had bypassed him in all of that. Mike Thomas, all those guys had passed him. Yeah, it's just such a short leash for a guy like that. And I know they have no ties to John Ross, but the guy had speed. And that's it. That that closes the book on John Ross. James, last award for this episode. We have predictably run out of time because, as usual, we, we talk too much. But uh, most important player a little spin on MVP, a combination of, you know, their most valuable player from this year, their most important player going forward. Either way, it's the same answer, right? And I think we might actually agree on this one. It's got to be Joe Burrow when you phrase it like that. Even 10 games, it doesn't matter. I mean, that's that's why they lost to Washington. I think they beat that team, and that's a playoff team. Uh, I think that's why they lost uh, to the Giants and didn't have a shot against the Dolphins. And that that's just... That's life in the league, right, if you lose your starting quarterback. But Burrow hid so many of their flaws, including coaching flaws from Zach Taylor. And those were exposed for most of the the second half of the season when he went down. Yeah, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Joe Burrow because for me, this is a note that is they have the piece. When you talk about building a team, they have the quarterback. And now you just need to build around them. That's a lot easier than trying to build a team when you don't have a quarterback. And so for all of the negativity and all of the sour notes and all the gut punches that Bengals fans endured this season, they can always look at Joe Burrow as their guy. And that's got to be a good feeling. Were you going to have a different answer for MVP? No, it probably would have been Joe Burrow. But I mean, if you want to go with someone that had had been around or the Joe Burrow, the defense, because he's been on the field longer and more games, it would be Jesse Bates, right? I mean, he... He kind of did to a degree what Burrow did to a degree. You, you can only do so much at safety, but I think he hit a lot of flaws as well on defense. He did. He did. He did. When you put it that way, hiding flaws on defense, he definitely did that on multiple occasions this season. And we both we both called that one breakout player of the year. Jesse Bates nailed it. We'll have to talk about our breakout candidates for 2021 at some point, but we are out of time for this episode. We'll be back next week, Bengals fans, Mock Draft Monday, your next episode on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Until then, day and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.